welcome to another episode of Deal Talk. I'm Deal. Let's talk. Uh, my guest of the evening is a real estate investor. Give a warm welcome to Vaughn Thornton. Yes. How, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I really appreciate you inviting me on your, your podcast. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, hey. Um, so, so talk to me. You've been, I, I was reading uh, about you a little bit, uh, 20 years in real estate, uh, mm-hmm. two in, in Florida, right, actually? 20, 20 in Florida. Plenty in Florida. Wow. Yeah. Tell, tell me what inspired you to do real estate? Because for 20 years, usually I, I, I meet people all the time because my wife is a real estate agent, right? Uh-huh. Uh, we're here in New Jersey and they'll do like 15 years, get money and retire. They're good. Right. Well, I have a very expensive wife. So, uh, oh, no, well, I'm hey, <laughs> hey, I get it. I, I, I 100% understand. <laughs> no, uh, for me, it was just sheer desperation. Okay. okay. Um, I have a really weird and unique path to real estate in the sense that uh, my career path in my early 20s was going to be State Department, was going to be Russian, because I spoke, you know, I, I speak fluent Finnish, I speak fluent Russian. Okay. And I wanted to be, I thought that I wanted to be in the State Department, be in the Foreign Service, and just go to different embassies. I wanted to be a Slavic language specialist. Wow. Um, I went to, I went to Russia, I mean, to Moscow in 1989, and I worked at the embassy for two years when it was still the Soviet Union. Okay. And my career path kind of just went off a cliff because I fell in love with a Russian woman when I wasn't supposed to. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Because it was against embassy rules back then. You couldn't, yeah. you couldn't have any romantic liaisons with uh, Russian women. And, you know, um, it was all of a sudden the, the government work was no longer a uh, option for me. Wow. So, uh, but I just, you know, there was, you know, when one door closes, one, another one opens, I ended up spending 10 years in Russia, you know, uh, working with American businesses. Uh, I started my own business. I actually, I had a, uh, I found out about these 16 millimeter movie cameras that were just in a warehouse. You pick them up for a 10 bucks a pop. Wow. So I, I, I put, I bought like 50 of them. I put three in my suitcase I flew to Los Angeles and just started visiting uh, university film departments and, and selling them. Yeah, well, just try. I didn't even know if I could sell them or not. So I wow. went there with three. I came back. I came back with over twenty thousand dollars of checks that were people were ordered from me. So all wow. of a sudden, I had a business. <laughs> wow! Right! Wow! That's so, amazing. Uh, yeah, I did that for about five years. It was very lucrative, and the, the cameras ran out. The, the, and so I tried to get, I tried to get the. Uh, the it was under, it was actually under the defense ministry. So I was working with, you know, like the pen, Russians version of the Pentagon. Yes, yes. I negotiated with them. We got a good price because I was picking them up at ten bucks. I was selling them for four hundred. Okay. Wow. Pretty well, good market. Major, yes, yes, yeah. yes. So I was able to go to seventy five. I thought that was fair. We could still make money at seventy five. So we start, and at the same time, I'd also contacted Eastman Kodak before they, when they were still doing film. And I told them, I said, I'm, I've got these cameras. You know, why don't we talk about a joint marketing agreement where you can, we, you know, we can, public, you can, we can um, publicize the, the 60 millimeter movie camera and your film, right? To go yes. with it. And we signed an exclusive marketing agreement with Eastman Kodak. It was going to be great. They were going to buy 50 a month. And, and as giveaways and so forth. And then it came time for us to sign a contract and get it started. And the freaking Russians raised the price to $300. Wow. Blew us out of the water. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. You know, and so that was it. That was it. So with that, you know, that 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 door closed. So I ended up doing a lot of, but you know, I got my feet wet. I liked Russia. I got married again. Uh, I got married the first woman at the embassy, but then we divorced. And I, I I decided to play, you know, double jeopardy and and marry a Russian woman again. Oh uh, man! <laughs> <laughs> and are you are you an American? Like, are you? Yeah, American. American yeah, grew up hey, uh, born yeah. in Arkansas. Grew up in Missouri, and uh, you know, I just had a I don't know. I had an itch about Russia. I have no idea why. You know, so uh, anyway, long story short. What a journey so far, right? Well, long story short, um, I was working for an American company. I was they, they wanted they were it's a pipeline inspection company. They wanted they they send their little robots into sewers and water pipes and so forth to see what the defects are, and so they wanted me to to try to sell this in, in Eastern Europe. So they okay. sent me over. Like I had gone to Orlando. They came, sent me back. So you know, my wife. Obviously, we have an apartment there, so we, you know, we have right. something to live. So anyway, I put together a consortium with with a Russian company, a Canadian company, and a British company for us to go in and inspect, clean, and rehab water pipes. And we did a we did a um, we did a, a, a test project, five hundred meters. It went perfect. We had an order for eighteen kilometers worth of of uh, uh rehab you know water pipes which is very needed it's uh, yes. i feel like yes i was gonna make a million dollars in a uh, in commission on that because it was a wow. huge project my Banking. company my company said they pulled out the last minute because he said hey what if our equipment doesn't work <laughs> we don't want to take the risk so we're, they pulled out they left me hanging so i was expecting a million dollars in commission, and then in a day, I was fired. And I had no way to feed my family, no way to support them. So I just vowed. I told my wife, I said, look, I'm going to go back to Orlando. I will do anything, but I will never, ever work for anybody again. So I went to Orlando. That's where my sister was living at the time. And I said, okay, what can I do to make money where I'm not working for someone? So I tried to be a mortgage broker and I spectacularly failed. It was mm. just, not, it was horrible. I couldn't do it. Tried to be a realtor, could not do it. And then somebody told me that there was a technique as a, as a real estate investor where you could get a house where a homeowner owed more than what the property was worth. And even though nobody wanted those houses, they said I could negotiate with the bank and I could create equity with my negotiation. So I take something that has no value and make 30, 50, $60,000 just from thin air by negotiating. So I said, really? <laughs> so I said, if I can negotiate with Russians, you know, communists, you know, in, in you know, military defense ministry, army people in Russia, I can negotiate with Chase or Wells Fargo. Yes. And you know what? I, 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 it took me about a year to learn it really well. But after that, uh, my the first year I had my first closing in just in uh, February of 2004 for like thirteen thousand dollars. By the end of the year, I'd made eight hundred thousand dollars doing short sales. Wow! And then you know this was in 2004, so you know all through the the Great Recession, I mean I was making millions during the Great Recession. I mean, every other house was a short sale, you know, at the time. So you know I got good at it. I set up systems, and so. I mean, I worked 20 hours a day. I mean, it's going to be a week, maybe, 
right now. And so why would I want to retire if I've got that good income coming in all the time? And plus, you know, I learned so much in my real estate uh, career, especially about how to uh, limit your, I mean, drastically reduce your taxes. Uh, and I, and I, I got, I was a little bit bored of real estate, but luckily I found something else to get my juices going. So my real estate invest, my short sale business is just going on autopilot now, which is great. We love it. But now I focus more on helping people, you know, legally reduce their taxes, like by as much as 97%. And anybody except W2 employees. And I found that it was, I mean, it's been getting such a, a, a reaction from people. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, you, you, I didn't, I never, I guess I underestimated Americans uh, hatred of taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm just loving that. So I'm, I'm doing this almost full time now and it's, it's awesome. Well, that's amazing. That that's, if, if if it's if there's any one thing that 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 America the people of America don't understand is taxes. Yep. Um, which is once you're able to understand the rules of the game, mm-hmm. now you you're able to play the game, right? Right. That they they're they're always saying you know authors and real estate investors is always they talk about loopholes and right. how to manage things. So mm-hmm. if you're able to master that, I mean, who's going to stop you? I mean, you're playing by the games of the rule, the rules of the game. Well, you know, I'm ashamed to admit that I was a, I was considered myself a very financially astute person and running my business. I didn't know about the strategy. Mm-hmm. I had to have somebody tell me, what are you doing with your taxes? I said, well, I had to bite the bullet and, and pay them. He says, you don't have to. And they said, I said, well, how do I do that? And they said, well, there's this trust. There's this trust that the only the ultra wealthy use have known about for decades. You should look into it. And I, and I said, well, I don't know. He, says, he said, how about this? You won't pay every, you won't ever pay capital gains tax again. I said, yeah, really? Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, tell me more about it. And, you know, it took me about, you know, a couple months for me to do my due diligence. I researched everything and it was exactly as, as advertised. It was, it was just word of mouth. It wasn't advertised anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I said, sure, I, I, I want to do that because, you know, the idea that, you know, I could have an investment property, I could sell it. And now normally what you do as an investor, you would have to do what they call a 1031 exchange, which means you only have 30 mm-hmm. to 45 days to find a replacement property and you have to close in six months. Otherwise, you got to pay those taxes, right? And so it's a 50-50 proposition if you can do it or not. And there are pains in the butt. Nobody likes them, but that's the only game in town as far as most people knew. But when I heard that I could sell my investment property into my trust with me as a trustee, so I would no longer own the, the property, but I would control it because I'm the trustee. And then when I sell that property, when, it, when the money comes back, because the trust is in compliance with IRS code 643, then as long as that money stays in the trust, there's no tax. All the capital gains are, are deferred in, uh, permanently. And wow. it's just like, my gosh, I mean, I, I started telling people about it and I started, you know, the more I talked about it, I realized, what am I giving this away for free? Yeah, <laughs> you know? correct. I can, I can, I can, uh, you know, I can promote this and make money on it as well. I mean, it's absurd how much money you can save. I have a, I met a business owner in, in August. He was selling his business for $7.5 million 
Wow. And he was going to get hit with $1.7 million in capital gains tax. Well, he actually found me on TikTok and uh, he reached out to me and we talked about it and we educated him and so forth. So he bought a trust. And then uh, that $1.75 million that he would have paid to the government, now he has it and he's using it to invest in other projects because that's money that, I mean, think about it. That's like, that's like walking, that's like, that's like, uh, you know, going into Walter White's storage unit, uh, you know, where, yes. where Skyler had all that, that stacks of money, right? Well, not that big of a stack, but finding like a hockey bag full of, of money. That's what it's like when all of a sudden you think that you have to pay that tax, you find a, a legal way to get around it. Now all, sudden, all that money is available to do whatever you want with, invest it, use it for other expenses through the trust. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating how it works. And for those for 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 our listeners and and viewers, um, can you can you give a, a brief description? What is a trust? Okay, a trust in its essence is a contract. Okay, it is a mechanism where there is an asset that's being managed by a trustee on behalf of the beneficiaries. It is its own entity. Okay, but it is basically a uh, what do you want to call it? A conservative conservationist? No, that's not that. It's a conservatory. No, okay. I, I get the terms mixed up, but you know what I'm trying to say is that yes. basically this entity is designed to protect whatever it is you're protecting on behalf of whoever you want this to benefit. In this case, the beneficiaries. And uh, as a trustee, I own title to it, but I don't own it. The trust owns it. I have equity title, equitable title as a trustee, and it's done for the beneficiaries who get the benefit but have no management managerial uh, responsibility or permission, right? So it kind of works together, and most of them are done to protect the assets. And this trust, for example, it can't, you know, it has never been penetrated by anybody, no lawyers, no government. The only way they can penetrate it is through uh, if, if they can prove that you were doing fraudulent, fraudulent activity. Correct. So, you know, the idea that if I have my house in the trust and somebody comes walking by and slips and falls, right, normally they could sue you. But since your asset is in the trust, I mean, if they, they can try it, but the, the first time the judge hears that it's a, it's a, it's a spendthrift trust, he'll, he or she will toss it. And as trustee, even though I control the asset, it doesn't it's like it's almost like it's almost like an LLC. It's LLC on Barry Bonds times thousand steroids. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yes. That's a great I analogy. mean and that and then the trust would be like Barry with a walnut sized head and everything else is like this. I mean, seriously, it is the be- listen, any attorney worth his or her salt can can crack a, an LLC, they can crack a corporation. They can pierce the corporate veil, not this one. This one is impenetrable. And what and what inspired you to share this? Because knowledge like this, it it's to keep away. They don't. They won't. They wouldn't want the public to to know about it. Well, you got to remember who. This is an interesting uh, situation about the tax code. Mm-hmm. Um, this trust was in existence before the tax code ever ever came into mm-hmm. being in the nineteen thirties. This was the vehicle that the ultra, ultra rich, you know, that the, the uh, Rothschilds, the, the uh, Rockefellers, you know, uh, 
all the Vanderbilts, everybody back then, they, they all had these trusts. So when the Roosevelt administration decided they were going to institute the tax code and bring on the IRS, you don't think the government wrote the tax law, do you? No, they hired the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds attorneys, and they wrote the tax code for, the, for all intents and purposes. Well, what did they do? They included a code that was specifically done for this trust. And so this trust now has these two, they're not loopholes, they're actually codes. I mean, they're in the code that says that with the capital gains, I already told you about that. And then they have another uh, part of IRS code 643 where, you know, if you have income that comes into, let's say, an LLC, okay? And so if I have, let's say that I have, uh, well, my, let's take a look at my business, my, my, my real estate investing business, okay? So I sold, I can sell my assets of my business into the trust. So now that just not, that's just not like a car or a house. It's also my know-how, my strategies. Everything that, that makes my business go is up here. Mm -hmm. So I actually sell that into my trust, right? So now I set the LLC up to run my real estate investing business. So it can't do my business unless it has access to the assets. So the trust leases those assets to the LLC. And the trust is, becomes a 90% limited partner in the LLC. So what are we doing? We're setting up two major expenses for the LLC that is, gonna, that is going to correct. It's going to bring down that LLC's taxable income to maybe 3% of what it would normally. Correct. So let's say if I let's say that my net income, my, my LLC's net income from my real estate business was a million dollars. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can, the lease payment can be up to 70% of the, of the net income for the LLC. So I can move 70, $700,000 from the LLC's 1 million net income into the trust. That's going to bring that down to $300,000. Now, because the trust is a 90% member of that LLC, it's going to get paid the remaining 90% of that $300,000, which is seventy, which is $270,000, which is a K-1 distribution that goes over to the trust. So now when I go to my accountant with the LLC, I say my income was only $30,000. Wow. So you're not going to pay anything on that at all. Now, the, the $970,000 that went over to the trust, because, it's, because a lease payment is passive income for the trust, a K-1 distribution is passive income for the trust. That means that I, as the trustee, have the discretionary power granted to me by IRS Code 643 to declare that an extraordinary dividend for the trust. And when that happens, any taxes that would, be, that would have been owed are deferred forever. So the LLC doesn't pay any taxes. The trust doesn't pay any taxes. And any of the money that would have been taxed is now, now in my trust as trustee. I can use it to pay trust expenses. I can buy more real estate. I can invest in crypto, stocks, whatever I want to do. I'm using money that would have been taxed now to make more money. So you're essentially you're saving a good chunk of your money mm -hmm. and using that same money to invest. 
Yes, absolutely. Wow. Yes. And so you do you never have a taxable event with this strategy? And it's everything's legal. This 100% is legal. This is uh I want to ask you is, is this what um Robert uh Kiyosaki? explains No, not this not this trust, no. He because he 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 says every 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 amount of capital he gains he invests in real estate so he doesn't pay taxes. So I'm just wondering well, if, it, if it's there are different strategies that you can do to lower your taxes, but there's nothing like this that app applies to anything more than real estate. Like for example, if you're crypto, I mean you're getting you're getting capital gains every time you 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 get money, and that's what twenty four percent I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your crypto is an asset of the trust, no taxes. You know, if you're a ten ninety nine employee, I talked to a uh, a programmer today. He makes three hundred thousand uh, dollars as a ten ninety nine, but because you know the way it works is that ten ninety nine income is uh, considered ordinary income by the IRS, and mm-hmm. so if you make more than one hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year, then you're getting taxed. At thirty-two percent, so you can imagine how much money he was having to pay um, because he doesn't have any, any deductions because it's just it's just straight ten ninety-nine income, right? Mm-hmm. So I showed him how he could get he would pay hardly any tax, if anything, from that by running his by running his ten ninety-nine through an LLC and just doing what I described. And he says, oh, my gosh, you're telling me that I'll, I I could, I don't have to pay these taxes? I said, no. As long as you follow the strategy, you get a trust, and you follow the strategy, we're, we're, there's no tax. Got it, got it. <clears throat> How does one start, right? I mean, obviously, you will have to build some type, some form of assets, right? Well, if you don't have, if you don't have the income, then you there's no reason, right? I mean, if you're if you're making less than a hundred thousand dollars, or if you're a W two employee, if you're on a salary, this can't help you. Okay, it can only help you know ten ninety nine contractors, business owners, uh, like doctors, anybody who has a medical practice, um, you know, crypto, anybody who has anything where you have either ordinary income coming in or uh, capital gains. Okay, that's where this helps. If you, I guess, if you work for Microsoft and you're on a salary, can't help you. But if you don't have a salary, this will 100% help you. But again, yeah, self-employed. Yeah, you really or commission salesperson, realtors, brokers, mortgage brokers, people, anybody who's on commission, same thing. As long as it's not a salary. So, you know, what you're looking at here is if you're not making two hundred thousand at least, two hundred fifty, may or may not be worth it. Right. But if you make that or more, then it will completely make a huge difference in what you're paying in taxes. Wow. Wow. That you just gave us a master class. Yeah. Master class. What what else do you have? What what, what else <laughs> what, what what else are you offering? What what else what else do you want to tell the people? Well, let's talk about um a couple of things. One is that People who have a business or are self-employed, they under they think in terms of write-offs. Okay, correct. Unfortunately, there's only so much you can write off. The beauty with the trust is that almost everything you you do 
can be a trust write-off or a trust expense. Let me give an example. Okay, I'm a real estate investor. Like I said, I'm down here in Florida. I buy houses and do short sales all over the state. So I can be driving a lot. You know, any you know, I can put like a hundred thousand miles on my car in a couple of years. It's you know, I do that a lot. So before I had the trust, if I went to the gas station and I filled up, that was not a I could not write that off. If I went to Jiffy Lube and got an oil change, couldn't write it off or got my tires balanced, nothing to do with that could be written off. If my car is a trust expense, it's a trust asset, I should say, then anything having to do with that car, the trust pays for. Okay. If I if I have uh, children in the trust as beneficiaries, if I have any any child of, of um, younger than twenty one, then the trust will pay for almost everything that child does: school, books, food, clothes. You know, it, it, it's a trust expense. Try doing that if you have an LLC. If you could, if the, if the, if the, what would your accountant say if you say, "Okay, I want my trust, my my, my LLC to, to uh, pay for, for pay for my um, my kids' books or my kids' tuition, and it'll be a write-off." He'll laugh at you, mm-hmm. you know. But you can with the trust, okay? Uh, so that's that's it is just so much more leeway with the trust expense than you have as a write-off. So if my if my house is in the trust as an asset. Anything having to do with that house is a trust expense. If the water heater breaks, trust pays for it. You know, if I want to put a new pool in, trust, trust pays expense. If I want to, if I want to, you know, whatever it is, if it has to do with that with that with that uh, property, trust expense. So, and you're paying for that with pre-tax money because it's it's money that that you didn't pay tax on to begin with when it came into the trust. And now it's just, you're, you're, you know, you're not having to, uh, you just have more, more, you get more bang for your buck, right? So right. The, the, the trust expenses, I mean, wellness, anything having to do with wellness is a trust expense. Are, are you married? Yes. Okay. Uh, does your wife like uh, wellness stuff? Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this. Assuming you have the money in the trust, of course, but let's say that um, you told her and said, honey, how would you like to, to fly to Maui and we're going to go on a spa, a getaway? And the trust will pay for it. That'd be kind of cool, right? That'd be fantastic, actually. Well, that's what you can do. As long as there's money in the trust, of course. I mean, you, if you're broke, you're not, <laughs> you got to pay for it somehow. Yeah, the yeah, correct. The point is, is that it's, you could not even think about doing that as a write-off with a business. But you can with the trust. Wow. For example. So that's what that that is one thing that really attracted me as well, because it's like, man, the only thing you can't pay for the trust cannot pay for food, fashion and fun. Right. So other than that, trust will pay for food, fashion and fun. Right. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) everything's a business, right? Yeah, everything's a business. Right. As long as you have a legitimate a legitimate business reason, business, yes. Then that's a trust expense. How how does this one right how does one like when you first started learning about this, right? Researching, mm-hmm. what what were some of your steps in, into that that you did to to educate yourself on this? Well, like I is look- there any books you can 
you can well, uh, refer. Yes, I have a number of books and videos and 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 you know I, IRS uh, analysis of of this, you know things like that. So yes, there's plenty of uh, material you can you can do. Here's the thing: the reason why most people don't know about this is because, and I didn't know about this until I educated myself. I had no idea that there was two kinds of law in, in the U.S. You have contract law, and then you have legislative law. So the, the First Amendment in, in, in the Constitution, Section 10, states that no state shall pass any law that impairs the obligation of contracts. That, I mean, they, the founders put that in there from the, in the very First Amendment. People think that the First Amendment is just about freedom of speech. Well, the Section 10 is about contracts, okay? So the founding fathers knew that there was, the sanctity of a contract was so important to our government, governmental system that no legislature could, could pass any laws that would get, you know, regulate or get in the way of a contract. Now, a trust, by definition, is a contract, Okay. Now, what happened was legislative law, which means anytime any legislative body passes a law, okay? Any, so if Congress passes a law, then you know, it, it, it can regulate it, it can tax it, it can do whatever. So, um, but there's kind of like that's where majority of the trusts that are made, are they, they have their origin in some kind of law that was passed, okay? Conch, this 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 trust is a contract law trust, which means it was not created by the legislature. So this trust, I don't like if, if I buy a trust from it from an attorney, then I have I am required by law to register that trust with the state to do an annual report every year to have to keep track of minutes, all that kind of stuff, because that's what the legislature um, required when they created the legis the, the, the law. That governs the trust. Okay. Right. Yes. Contract law. This contract law trust was never created by the legislature. Therefore, I don't have to register it with the state. It's not required. Okay. So um, that's just a small example. But what I'm trying to say is that if you most most people don't know this, but you know attorneys don't sell this trust. And the reason why they don't is because this trust with its spendthrift provision which protects it from any lawsuits except for fraudulent behavior, of course. But uh, besides that, they can't penetrate it. The bar associations will not allow an attorney to sell or create something that another attorney cannot sue. Hmm. So if you went to an attorney and said, I want, you know, get me a, I want to buy a non, a non-grantor irrevocable uh, complex discretionary spendthrift trust, which is what the name of this trust is, they won't do it. Because they're licensed and then the bar association won't let them. So that's why, uh, and, and, and conversely, a lot of accountants don't know about this because they're trained in contract law. Excuse me, I'm sorry, uh, legislative law. So they're used to that, but they don't know about this. For A lot of them don't know. I mean, the ones that are good know about it. Correct. But but the but the your normal everyday Joe that's that's has you know hangs his uh, CPA in his window in a strip mall somewhere you know they're not going to know about this you know and that's why because it was only kept for the really really wealthy for you know 
ever since as long as the country has been in existence. So um, that's one of the reasons I get qu asked questions a lot saying, well, why don't, why don't, why haven't I ever heard of this before? Well, that's why who's going to tell you attorneys don't sell it. The CPAs don't, don't, don't know about it. And if they do, they don't want to, uh, to sell it because they make more money by pushing the other stuff that, that, that they get paid every, every Yeah, day. there's no benefit for them. Right, exactly. Why, why am I going to, they're like, why am I going to sell something that I can't profit out of? Right. So, is this trust you pay for it one time, you buy it, and that's it? You don't have to pay uh, an account. I mean, you obviously, you, need to, you do file your taxes, mm -hmm. um, and you do, um, you know, because you, you, let's face it, you can't get an, you cannot get uh, a bank account unless you have an EIN number, right? So this right. is registered with the with the IRS, and you know you you get your EIN number to get your bank account and so forth, and you we you know we file every year, but um, that's it. I mean, nothing else has to be done. You don't have to make keep making uh, payments on it every year. Now, now, is this strategy does it work only in Florida or does no. it work fifty work states and fifty states? Okay, all fifty states. And where can we, we if I if I want to purchase or any mm -hmm. listener of yours or any anybody that knows you that right. still hasn't contacted you, where can they buy one of these trusts? They can come to me and I can I can get it I can get them to them. I can I can make sure it gets done. Okay. I'm a contact person. So it's very easy. Uh, all you have to do is just fill out a very simple uh, online application. The main information that you need to apply for this is you need, you need to know what the name of the trust is going to be. You need to know who the person is that's going to set the trust up because you can't do it personally if you're going to be the trustee because it's a non-grantor trust. That means if you set it up yourself and become the trustee, it's called a grantor trust, and the IRS will not give you any tax um, uh, reductions at all because they'll say it's the same thing as you. It's an alter ego of you, therefore there's no tax advantages. So in my case... Just got my neighbor to do it. Neighbor did it. Name, you know, okay. created the trust. Named me the trustee, and then resigned. And so now it's a non-grantor trust. And then I can, you know, then I, I can go ahead and control everything, but I don't own anything, and I'm, full, I'm in full compliance with the IRS. So you need to know who that person is is going to create it, and at least one beneficiary. And that's really it. That's really it. And then you just, you know, once you 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 invest the money into it, it's sent to you in like three to five days by, by FedEx second day air once it's processed and then boom, you've got a trust. And then we can, we can advise you for an entire year as part of the, part of the investment of the trust to make sure that you set it up correctly. Any questions. So after your first year, you're going to know right, left, I mean, back and forth how it works. And listen, as someone who ran a, a S corporation for almost 20 years, this is so much simpler. It's crazy how much simpler it is. I thought it was going to be complicated with trust. Oh my gosh, you know, but no, it's easy. It's, it's, it's so much more simple. It's so much simpler than I thought it was going to be. No, it's, it sounds like, it sounds like you, you can save a lot on taxes. Big time. And I know that if somebody slips and falls or falls off a ladder in one of my houses, they're not going to sue me. They can get the insurance company. They're not going to get me or my company or my asset because it's wrapped up in a titanium vault of asset protection. That's yep. incredible. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah, that's incredible. That was, I, I, honestly, I don't know why any real estate investor doesn't doesn't have a trust. They should. I don't know why any business owner doesn't have one. 
And any 1099 employee that makes more than $200,000 a year, you're stupid if you don't have this. If you have crypto, you should have this because you're going to get hit with capital gains. You know, any business owner who wants to sell his business needs to have this to avoid capital gains. So my opinion is, is that we're going to see in the next two to five years, more and more people are going to get educated because, look, you're giving me a platform. I'm telling about it. You know, it's going to keep going on and on uh, and just gain steam. And more and more people are going to have this because why should the ultra rich only get the advantage of this? And why not us? You know, what are we, chopped liver? Don't we deserve to have the same the same loop you know same loopholes or what you want to call it? Why not? Yeah, I mean you're right. Unless they don't want us to have it. I mean, but yeah, you you can't say somebody doesn't want you to have something if you never knew it existed. Yeah, and it's there in the tax code. Mm -hmm. They they put it in from the very beginning. You know, it's not like this just happened ten years ago. I think, it's, I think we, we're just it's just throughout the years we're, we've been I mean, think about it. We've been programmed to, you know, once you got a job, you got to pay your taxes. That's all you know, that once you get a job or you get income, you have to pay your taxes. Yeah, you've been pro, especially if you if you're uh, an entrepreneur who is going or just started right. uh, working for himself and they, they got a, a big check commission check. They have to. Um, especially if they don't have the knowledge, right? Right. A, a lot of when you're young and you get your first uh, check, you don't know you have to pay tax. That you're you're responsible. Mm -hmm. A job just takes them automatically, but you're responsible to do your own, you know, due diligence. So I think, um, then yeah, once once somebody uh, is able to do it, you start spreading mm -hmm. the word. Yeah. And you can hit up Don. Hit me up. I'm here. How, how long, if if. If somebody reaches out and says they're interested for you creating this trust for them, mm -hmm. how long the procedure would take? Well, in my experience, most people want to take some time to study it and, and, and figure out what they want. And so sometimes I'll talk to them three, four or five times. We'll do a Zoom, we'll do a phone call or whatever. And then when they, they finally say, you know what, we're good. That actually goes by quick. I mean, they, they uh, fill out the application, they wire the money. And then within three, four days, they have it in their hands. And I'm sure you'll guide them. Hey, go, you know, research this, go read this. Yes, 100%. I give Which them all the material they're going to need to be able to, to, to come to a, a decision that's based on fact mm -hmm. and based on uh, statistics. You know? Which and, is the, the most important part because, you know, being I as well in the real estate industry, a lot of sellers, um, real estate agents, brokers, you know, whatnot, usually are, are in the hunt for the money. They yep. generally don't educate their public or their customers right. for their service they're providing, which is, it's, um, especially now, like, I'm not sure in Florida, but over here, everything is, it's super high. Oh, Florida too. All right. Yeah. So, so you, you have some understanding of it and, sure. and, um, somebody who got an FHA loan, uh, one moment they give them, let's say, Four hundred thousand, yeah. And for some reason now, when they redo it in the time, because it's a certain uh, time that they have to use that, right? If now they got to do the process over again. Mm -hmm. Well, because over here there's not a lot of inventory, right? The right. ones who this is a seller's market. It's not a buyer. It's a seller's market, right? In my opinion, right? I could be wrong. So it's, it's slowly changing, but yeah. yeah, for the most part, it is. Yes. Yeah. So. When that when that period ends, they have to reevaluate 
themselves. So now they get a lower uh, amount. They go for four uh, four hundred thousand now. Let's say to three or two, mm-hmm. and they get frustrated. Right. They get frustrated. They get unhappy and and ask why, ask why, and this is where the the real estate agents and you know the mortgage holder, whoever's their lender is, have to educate them on it. Mm-hmm. And this is you know I think I think uh, one of the things I enjoy talking about you is that you're you're giving them that that flexibility of the understanding. Right. Because people are getting smarter, like you said. People are getting smarter and they need people that can trust and invest time educating them. Yeah, and I'm a frustrated professor in a sense because I love to teach. And I love to teach this because, you know, it's one thing for, you know, like Ted Kennedy back in the day, you know, when when he got out from under Chappaquiddick, when, you know, when that poor woman, Mary Jo Kopechny, drowned, mm. you know, and they they sued him and they couldn't get they could they couldn't get anything from him. Why not? Because he had everything in a trust. You know, and they, they they've they have lived. I mean, the system has been rigged against anybody but the ultra rich for so long. So it's kind of like I don't want to say it's a mission, but it's kind of because I just feel like we need to we need to uh, even the playing ground a little bit here because we deserve the same. A uh, chance to to uh, use legal beans to avoid taxes, not evade them, but we have the right to avoid tax if it's a legal strategy, and this is damn right it is. For for those for those who um were seeking your service, please tell the people where they can find you at. Okay, you know what? I think the easiest thing you should do, and I'm gonna this is gonna be weird to hear this, but I'm gonna give you my cell phone number. Okay, text me. Text me and we can and we can set up a time to talk. It is 407-902-7827. Boom. Yeah. Go ahead. Text me. Do you have any social media handles, website? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm all over the place. I have a I have a um uh, my my YouTube channel is Don, I spelled D-O-H-N, just so you know. Don the Infinite Wealth Strategist. All my YouTube's there. Uh, I'm on TikTok. You can get me on. I think it's called Ironclad Trust. Is my handle on TikTok? I am, my name Don Thornton on Instagram, Facebook. I'm there on Facebook. I'm the only Don Thornton there with that spelling. So you can. I'm on Twitter. You can find me everywhere. Boom. Um, go check him out. Go follow him. Yeah. Um, definitely reach out and, and you know get a consultation. His number's here. Uh, Don. Thank you for um, giving us this master class today. It's been hey, an hey, honor. I really appreciate the uh, the invitation. I knew it was going to be fun, and I, it, it didn't disappoint. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. I'm out.